0: Welcome. Thank you for listening. We're currently working our way through the book of Joshua, celebrating the God who keeps every promise he has ever made. If you're in the Milwaukee area and you're looking for a church home, we'd love to meet you. You can connect with us more through our website, harvestcommunity.org. I was looking through the book of Joshua in preparation for today's service. And if we can have the first slide up, uh, I was thinking, what am I going to actually preach on? Now, if you have a look here, God, Caleb's inheritance. We all want an inheritance. My grandmother died and she left me a little green bowl and two little green cups. Yes, my inheritance. Uh, there's a lot you can do with that. But some of you may be married to somebody who has a great inheritance. Some of you may have one yourselves. And you think, wow, this is my great inheritance. I'm going to get this stuff. And this may be a sermon about stuff. And I can tell you about all the great stuff you're going to get. And we can have health and wealth and all those things. And you can think, great, I'm going to get stuff. But that's not what this sermon's going to be about. Because you see, underneath it says God's faithfulness. And if we go on to the next slide, it says God's faithfulness because that is the emphasis. And then Caleb's inheritance. Caleb does get some stuff. Sometimes in our lives, sometimes we get stuff. Some people are not faithful to God and they get stuff. Some people are faithful to God, and God allows them even to go so far as to die for Him. The key thing in today's passage that we're going to look at is God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful, and we sang about it a little bit there in our songs. God wants to bring you close to Him, and when He brings you close to Him, He will be faithful with you. And that is worth living for. Some of you may be about 70 years old. According to the Bible, you're done. (laughs) It's about now you'll die. Okay. Some of you may be old like me. I'm 53. A couple of years later, I'll die. I'll be done. Some of you may be in your teens. Some of you may be in your twenties and you got the whole of life to look forward to. You hope Jesus comes back just after you get married. (laughs) And when Jesus comes back, that would be great if he does. But really, it seems like this whole life's ahead of you, like this whole life's coming before you. But in the end, you'll be done and you'll die And the only thing in this life that really, really matters is being with God. Because he is the only one who continues after death. He is the only one who walks with us through life. And Caleb walked with God. And we're going to talk about Caleb today. But I'm going to introduce myself first. So I am Peter Worrell. And as you may have heard, you all have an accent. Because what language am I speaking? English. So if you speak English with an English accent, you don't have an accent. Whereas if you speak English with an American accent, you've all got an accent. Now it's kind of funny because we get raised where we are and we tend to think we don't have an accent. Everybody else does. But if you listen to me, you'll think I have an accent, but where I was raised, I didn't think I had an accent. But if I speak with my natural accent, like I'm from Devonshire, I can't read and I can't write, but that don't really matter because I comes up from Devonshire, Like I can drive a tractor. So that's my natural accent. That's actually how I speak. It's a pirate accent. Pirates weren't born on board ships. Pirates were born on land, and I'm from the pirate part of England. So uh, don't mess with me or else I'll pull out a cutlass. So if you have a look at these pictures, in the top left, that's me when I was about 18, and those are both of my cousins, Juliet and Nicola. I was raised in England. But then, if you have a look to the right there, you'll notice that there are two children with me, and they are adopted into my family, I get to raise them. And yeah, they get lumped with that. They didn't choose it. They were born and then they got given to us. But we got to choose them. And so Daryl and Amelia are raised with us. Daryl is African-American, Latino, and Amelia is Chinese. And I will get to see them again later today with the woman in the middle. That is my wife, Kelly Worrell. And Kelly is an American, so she keeps me okay. You know, she kind of corrects me as I go through. In the top middle is Moody Bible Institute, so I teach at the Moody Bible Institute. And in the bottom left is Lake Geneva Youth Camp, so I teach at different places. I go to camps, I teach in churches, I teach in the classroom. But the person that I teach about most of all, the person I keep on coming back to, is God. But in today's story, we're going to get to Caleb. Caleb, what do you know about Caleb? Well, he was Joshua's friend, you think? Huh. Well, Caleb follows God, and Caleb tries to work out things for God, and then God works in Caleb's life. Next slide. So let's have a look at Joshua 14, Joshua 14, verses 6 through 15. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the uh, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers, who went up with me and made the uh, with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these forty-five years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day eighty-five years old. Wow, I said, if you were 70, you were ready to die. This guy's 85, 85, so he must be old and decrepit. Let's read. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me, so God can preserve strength. My strength is now as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how Anakim were there, the great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. So what's Joshua going to do? God has decided to bless Caleb. So, then Joshua blessed him, and he gave him Hebron, to Caleb, the son of Jephana, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephana, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, the Lord, the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. All right. Huh. There's some some things there that are are hard to understand. You may have just passed over them. But Hebron, where is Hebron? What kind of place is Hebron? Well, Hebron is in Judah. Where's Judah? Judah is in uh, Israel. So you go to the southern part of Israel to Judah, and then part of it is called Hebron, and it's mountainous, and there's no water there. Who wants a place like that? Apparently, Caleb does. And Caleb says, I deserve this place because I served God. And I served God when we went into Israel, into Canaan, because it used to be called Canaan originally. And when we went in there, I said we could take it. And there was another person who said we could take it too, Joshua. Right. Well, he gets given that, and he's going to inherit that, but there's a problem. There's usually a problem in biblical stories, isn't there? It doesn't make much of a story. And there's Kenizzites there. What on earth is a Kenizzite? Well, I I looked it up, and it says a people related to Kenaz. Oh, very helpful grandson of Esau, the Kenizzites were of Edomite stock and resided in the southeast of Judah in the vicinity of the Kenites. They are thought to belong to the pre-Israelite population of Canaan. Their territory was to be given to the Israelites along with that of the Kenites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Huz- you, know, you, you get all those Perizzites and all those kinds of stuff that come up. In Numbers and Joshua, Caleb, the faithful spy, is reckoned to belong to the Kenizzites. Now, this is a problem, because it might be that he's related to somebody who is in the tribe of Judah, but it may be that he's related to somebody outside of the tribe of Judah, because the Caleb, uh, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, the Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord, according to 1 Chronicles 4.15, Caleb's genealogy is traced back to Judah. Huh, so through Judah. Well, maybe he was adopted in, or maybe he's from the Kenizzites. The relationship of uh, Caleb to the Kenizzites is far from clear. Caleb established his patrimony at Kiriath Sefer, which is in Judah, but which is also situated close to the territory of the Kenizzites. Critical opinion views the Kenizzites as non-Israelites who occupied Hebron, Debir, and the southernmost hill country of the Negev, and became politically incorporated into Judah. So it may be, maybe he's part of the Judites. Maybe he's adopted in. I like the idea that he's adopted in. Why? Because I'm adopted into America I've been kind of grafted in I know what it's like to be an outsider Most of you will have realized that I'm white But there are things that I say at Moody That don't go with white America Oh no, heresy No, not heresy No, you've got to be unbiblical if you're not white No, that's not what I'm saying What I'm saying is I say some things and they come across and they sound alien to Americans because I'm British and I was raised in Christianity in Britain and I'm trying to work through that. And so I'll say some things that won't necessarily go with the mainstream, but they will be biblically true. Sometimes I feel like an outsider. And here in this passage is somebody who may have been an outsider. And I'm encouraged by that. Because in the Bible, we find people who are just like us. We find people who are just like us. A Kenizzite, a foreigner. And then we've got in this story about faithful Caleb and Joshua. That's pretty good. I like Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they're faithful. We even see descendants of Anak here in this passage. What's, what, what is a descendant of Anak? Well, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. But what you see then in this story of Numbers 13 that Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can can capture it. What was holding them back? What was holding people back from going up and taking Israel, from taking Canaan? Giants. Giants. Now, wait a second. The Nephilim, have you heard of the Nephilim? The Nephilim in Genesis chapter 6, something happened after Genesis chapter 6, what? What happened after Genesis chapter 6? A flood, and the flood killed probably everyone. So how can there be giants in the land? Well, these people are taller than regular people. Either they are bred and made taller because of who their parents are, or the angels of God came down and, and had relations with people, and they were born that way. Somehow there are giants in the land. And the spies saw the giants, and the spies said about the promised land that God was going to take them into, I heard it over here. What do you say? No, thank you. I don't want to go in there. Not with giants. I can hold a sword and I can poke it up towards it. He's going to crush me. I'm done with that. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, we're okay. We're going to do this. And so Anak. Anak is the descendant who... Super, super seeds goes before all these giants, and there are three of them in the land. And he says, Yeah, so what? Because I'm Caleb, I've got this friend Joshua. Who's behind Caleb? God. What's a giant going to do to God? Not a lot, not really. He's not going to do anything to God. So he says, I can push forward and take this land with God with me. God is faithful. God will take me through. God will raise me up. So God is walking with him. Is God walking with you? Is God walking with you? We're going to think of some main points now. God keeps his promises. God made a promise 40 years before, 45 years before. He said, Caleb, you will have this land. Caleb doesn't have the land. He goes to God. He says, can I have this land? And God says, yes, you can have this land. And he uses Joshua to say it. That's is the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. God will follow through. The people of Israel followed God faithfully a little bit, yes, and later in life they wander off, but they follow God faithfully. Why? Because every time they trusted God, God came through. It wasn't a 60-40 It wasn't a 70-30. Well, you know, I can trust God most of the time, but I've got to keep things behind the scenes so that they they satisfy me. That's not a God-trusting person. In the evidence that we see in the Bible, Caleb trusted God at every turn. And it is 45 years on, I'm only just a little bit over 45. 45 years ago, I was eight. What if God promised me something when I was eight? When I was 10, I'd be going, oh, I've been waiting for two years now. Two whole years I've been waiting on God. Two years, can you believe it? Two years! What about when I reach 20? 20. 12 years, more than the tribes of Israel. My goodness, there's something holy here and I'm still waiting. What if I reached 30 and I was still waiting? What if I reached 40 and I was still waiting? You see, we tend to measure God's faithfulness on our desires, on the way we want it to be. But God is faithful on his desires and on the way he says it should be. There's a guy called John Kessler who wrote a book called Disappointment with God. Have you ever been disappointed with God? You should have been. Why? Because you're trying to do things your own way and God doesn't want to do things your way. So when you're doing things your way, God's going to say no. And when God says no, you get disappointed because he's got something better in store. Because God's going to do something fantastic in your life. God wholly followed, sorry, Caleb wholly followed the Lord his God. And Caleb's commitment is consistent and has good reason. Caleb is solid. You know, solid people, you know, when everybody's melting down over here. Oh, no, they're late. I can't believe they're late. Where are they? I don't know. Well, when was the last time you said, call them. Well, I have got a phone. Well, get a phone. Go call them. Okay. I'm calling them. Hey, where are you? I- I'm outside. Well, well, get in here. People get crazy, don't they? People get crazy. God does not lose his temper now god has an anger god has anger and his anger makes sense but god does not lose his temper god does not lose anything because god is sufficient and Caleb's trust is in a sufficient god is your trust in a sufficient god aw tozer said If I am to wholly follow the Lord Jesus Christ, I must forsake everything that is contrary to him. In today's society, there are many, many, many compromises you can make. Many compromises. You can still go to church. In fact, my undergrad professor, Dr. Liz Stewart, was a Christian who didn't believe in God. What? How can you do that? What she would say, my undergrad professor would say, oh, I believe all the truths. But Jesus, Jesus wasn't the son of God, she would say. That's a massive compromise. It's a massive compromise. But now we're getting less and less and less, oh, you know, I can, I can, uh, I can lie. I can cheat. I can steal. I'll, I'll say sorry to God later. No, you can't. Because you are following God who is holy and we're meant to represent his holiness. So if I am to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, I must forsake everything that is contrary to him. And if we wholly follow God, just like Caleb, God will be faithful. Do you want to see God follow through on his promises? Then follow God with a wholehearted commitment. We must have faith. We must believe in God. But it's not a vague hope, but a certain hope. Some people, you've probably heard this before, but they, they hope that there's something good in the cookie jar. And they're like, they haven't seen the cookie jar and they just hope and they wish. And then they look and, oh, there isn't anything good in the cookie jar. Well, my hope was dashed. No, that isn't God's hope. God's hope is that God is God. God is God. He has not stopped being God. He does not take a break from being God. He has been God through history. He is God. And I hope one day to be with him. It's absolutely gonna happen. I hope one day that he will redeem me. I know that it will happen, and he redeems me day by day as I walk with him. God may bring about promises from your youth. Now just think, 40 years ago, what has God promised you? Did you become a Christian 40 years ago? Well, God promised to save you. What's the likelihood that you'll be saved then? 100%. 100% because you can't thwart God. Well what about if God wants to bring you forward and to to give you a relationship? He will bring about the good things that he has promised you. Just trust him even if it means being with him in heaven one day. that is the ultimate good gift that God will bring us. but 45 years. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Holy, holy followed the Lord. There are no accounts of second guesses. Oh, I wonder if God will. No, he believed God. He believed God so that when he's 85 years old, he straps up and gets ready for battle. Are you strapping up and getting ready for battle? Oh, well, you know, you don't you don't know how old I am. Probably the majority of people I see here look a little bit younger than 85. Strap up and get ready for battle. Because in this country, there will be a cultural battle where people will say God doesn't exist. People will say you don't have to trust God. People will push God to the side and the faithful will stand up and say, no, God does exist and he has something to say about everything. And if you do that, then God will be faithful. There are no second guesses. There are no accounts of being distracted. And Caleb's focus is on God. How many of you have heard of Brother Andrew? Brother Andrew. A couple of you, okay. Brother Andrew, I I read about him a little bit. He seems to have been Dutch. And way back when, when communist, uh, communist Russia was closed down, He loaded Bibles into a car, and he just drove into Russia. How stupid is that? I I don't know if you remember about the Soviets. They're not big fans of Bibles. And he's got a car full of them. He, he, He put them all in his car, and then when he went through the border, he just said to God, God, make it so they don't see them he did. And what happened? They didn't see them. And he kept driving into Russia with more and more Bibles. Now, after a while, he got known because you get a little bit famous when you're driving Bibles into Russia and telling everybody that God's wonderful because he is. So he gets older and he stops driving Bibles into Russia. And what does he do? He starts talking to the Taliban. I've been in Afghanistan. The Taliban aren't people that you tend to go up to and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. He's your savior. But this person loved God enough to show that God would be faithful. Do you love God enough to show that God will be faithful to other people? Do you put your light under a bushel? Do you put your light under something and hide it from everybody? Or do you let it be seen? Because in the end, it's not about you being seen. It's about him being seen. So God makes promises To be faithful to us. He will be with us. To those who wholly follow him. There is no choice that makes sense other than this because he is worthy. You will die one day. You can't take anything with you. Choose to follow God for eternity. That will make it all make sense. But don't speed things up. It may be 45 years. And actually, the other thing is, you may not actually see it in your lifetime. Does that make it so it doesn't happen? No, it makes it so it doesn't happen in your lifetime, but it's not about you. You see, in postmodernism, everything is about us. And so God serves us. We serve us. Everything serves us. And I get as much chocolate and candy as I can. And I live fat and glorious and then I die. There's no point in that. But in Christianity, we live for God. And God shapes us and God makes us better. And God makes us into who he wants us to be. So follow God. Let's look at Matthew 15, 13 through 19. Matthew 15, 13 through 19. According to the commandment of the Lord uh, the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Telmai. What were they? I've told you already, what were they? Giants. So he drove out the giants, the descendants of Anak. And he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, whoever strikes Kiriath Sefer and captures it, to him will I give Akish, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. Any of you heard of Othniel before? Othniel is a major character in the Bible. But some of you won't have heard of him. And he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? She said to him, give me a blessing since you have given me the land of the Negev. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her... Uh, the upper springs and the lower springs. So, Axa, Axa, we tend to think in terms of romance with this. Oh, Axa, she's a woman. She must have been beautiful. We don't know if she was beautiful or not. It's not important that a woman is beautiful. Because the beauty that we see comes from who they are. My wife, for example, is much more beautiful now than she was when I married her. Now, how did that happen? I know her better now. I can see she was very kind to me yesterday and she thought of me and she did things for me. And when I saw her, she looked beautiful. So... These women that are mentioned in the Bible, it's not about their beauty, it's about who they are. And Aksa is a forceful woman. Aksa is gentry. Aksa stands for something. She has status. She's Caleb's daughter. And then there's Othniel. Othniel is actually very important because Othniel comes from the book of Judges. Wait, we're in Joshua. Yes, But Othniel comes from the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, there is a decline that goes all the way down from the beginning with the first judge, who is awesome and does awesome things, all the way down to Samson, who really stinks. Now, some of us read Bible commentaries, and we read, uh, we teach the Bible and that kind of thing, and we see Samson, and it's got so much on Samson, we think he must be awesome. But he isn't. He's actually after the lust of his own eyes. It's Othniel, the first judge, who is awesome because he hears what God says to do. He goes and does it. He gets a reward. It's simple. It's straightforward because Othniel is awesome. And Othniel wants to have the springs of the Negev. And so uh, his, his wife gets that. So, Aksa goes and gets those things. So you have this forceful woman who talks forcefully to her father and forcefully gets what she wants. And you get this forceful man who wants to fight and get what he wants. And God gives it to them. And God is giving his blessing through Caleb to them. He's spreading it out. He passes the springs onto Aksa, this assertive woman And again, this story illustrates a simple truth. If we are faithful to God, God will be faithful to us. If we are faithful to God, God will be faithful to us. And that could be this morning's sermon, but there's actually something else I want to tell you. I have not been faithful to God. So, this messes with me, this story. When I was studying it this week, it was messing with me. Why was it messing with me? My dad wasn't a Christian. My mother was. My mother became a Christian when I became a Christian. So she wasn't this mature Christian woman who was leading me on. There was a time when she came back from a Bible study and said, hey, we have to study Judges, so we studied Judges. There's another time when she said we have to study Proverbs, so we studied Proverbs. She read the Bible with me, but my father listened to sex and drugs and rock and roll. That was actually one of his songs. And my mother used to listen to Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music. My mother used to listen to Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music when my father was out of the house. And my father used to listen to Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll by Ian Drury and the Blockheads when my mother was out of the house. And I became a Christian when I was seven, but I didn't walk faithfully with God. I used to turn it on in school, so somebody would ask me about Jesus And I tell them about Jesus. Jesus needs to be your Lord and Savior. You need to put your trust in Jesus and to follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, He will bring great things into your life. Is that true, everyone? Absolutely true. And then my father had pornography hidden in the house. And I used to go and find that pornography and I used to view that pornography. Is that what God wanted in my life? Not at all. And so there is pornography warring out in my life, and there is God warring out in my life, and then a lot of my friends in high school became Christian. I don't just mean one or two, I mean about ten. Ten of my friends or so became Christian. Yay, victory in Jesus, and pornography in the closet. What about God's faithfulness in that? Is it going to be like Caleb? Caleb was faithful. Caleb didn't view pornography. Caleb was faithful. Caleb followed God, and God was faithful to Caleb. Was God going to be faithful to me, really? I had become a Christian, and I was viewing pornography. How can you do that? And then... And people from my church know this. In my early 20s, I was sexually unfaithful. So I'm done, right? I became a Christian when I was seven. How can God walk with anybody? How can God be with anybody? How can God be faithful? And I used to fluctuate between being in these relationships like my dad modeled for me, but no excuse with that. It was my choice, but modeled by my father. And I would go with the girls and I would seek them and I would seek to be uh, happy with them. And then I would go to church and I would hang out in church. and, And I confessed to my church about the things I had done and my church ostracized me. They put me out of fellowship. They said, you're done. What happens then? Is God going to be faithful? How can you do that? I became a Christian when I was seven. I messed up. How could you mess up? Will God be faithful? And then I went to Moody Bible Institute. And I confessed some of these things to my teachers And I brought some of the struggles. I didn't fully understand Scripture. I couldn't really process it well. It was still a struggle, but I was starting to choose God more than anything else. And God broke into my life in powerful ways because God is faithful. He knew I was searching for him, but it didn't ostracize him when I turned away from him. He knew I was searching for him, and he knew how far I could get. And he credited nothing of that search. I didn't get anything from following him, but out of his grace, out of his goodness, he said, I will reach down to Peter, and I will hold him, and I will pull him up. Now, some of you may have watched some of The Chosen. I am not saying that The Chosen is biblical. And I am not saying that The Chosen has authority like that. That is not what I am saying. But I have watched The Chosen recently. And there is a character in The Chosen, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is chosen by Jesus to follow him. And she follows him. And then she does not. She's done right she's done because she doesn't follow god you got to follow god all the time if you don't follow god you're done no because god is faithful and god reaches into mary magdalene's life in this illustration and he gets a hold of her through jesus and then reconciles her so is your god faithful because I would say to you that God is faithful. He was faithful to me when I was struggling with pornography. I haven't struggled with it since. But he was faithful to me. He was faithful to Mary Magdalene. And yes, yes, our God is mighty. Our God is holy. He will be faithful to someone like Caleb. The question is whether you're choosing to follow God. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, help us to follow you. Help us to follow you when something like possessions grabs a hold of us. Help us to follow you when something like pornography grabs a hold of us. Help us to follow you because you are worthy You are holy. You are mighty. You are majestic. You are wise. You are everything that we could want to follow in this life. Help us to follow you faithfully and to die and to be in your arms one day because you love us so much. And in response to that eternal love, we love you. Amen.